Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we catch up on the latest in the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers, with Nigeria making a winning start and Egypt losing to Ethiopia in a big shock. Also, we speak to Scotland-based defender Frankie Musonda, who committed to play for Zambia and made his debut in these qualifiers. When the fans were cheering me and the team on, it just made me feel even more confident and comfortable to, to get on the ball and try and play. That's coming later. Also, we talk about Brighton's Tariq Lamptey deciding to play for Ghana and Stewart on the tough schedule for players in Europe. Let's start with the group stage of qualifying for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations finals. It's underway with two rounds of qualifiers being played in the space of 13 days. On Thursday, Nigeria made it a winning start, beating Sierra Leone 2-1, a winning start for their new Portuguese coach Jose Pesero. In Group D, all four teams are on three points. Nabi Keita scored in stoppage time as Guinea beat Malawi 1-0 and Ethiopia stunned Egypt 2-0. And more on that game shortly. And winning their first two games were Burkina Faso, Senegal, Algeria and Mali. While DR Congo have lost their first two matches at home to Gabon and away to Sudan. Uh, their experienced Argentine coach Hector Coupe was sacked uh, after those defeats. Well, Senegal beat Benin 3-0 in their first game, a hat-trick for Sadio Mane, two of those penalties, and then they beat Rwanda 1-0 with a 98th-minute Mane penalty. And Senegal, a great record in qualifying of late Ida. Rwanda were actually impressive, Steve, and I think all this might be lost in the midst of the loss, but... The Taranga Lions were at full strength and still had to wait until the final minute to score. Sadio Mane, of course, the center of almost all headlines with speculation over his future. Now, Liverpool rejecting a second bid from Bayern Munich for the Senegalese that they felt was insulting. And look, frankly, as an onlooker, so did I. The Red Steve value money at between 43 to 45 million pounds. So Bayern first offered 25 million, then 30 million, but added ridiculous clauses, you know, such as add-ons that can only be paid if Bayern Munich win three Champions Leagues and money lifts the Ballon d'Or three times. I mean, come on. That's pretty unrealistic, even on Cristiano and Messi level. Yes, that's pretty unlikely indeed. And Egypt won their opener 1-0 against Guinea, but then they lost 2-0 away to Ethiopia in a game played in Malawi. Mohamed Salah didn't play that match, but uh, did feature in all of the Guinea game, although probably he shouldn't have. It was revealed later that he played the qualifier with an injury and that he rejected Liverpool's request for a pre-match injury scan. Now, he is, of course, a huge asset to the club, so it's on the world to pretty much interpret this however they want, I would imagine. 
It could be dedication to country, could be sending a message to the club, could be all, could be neither, <laughs> you know. But Mane and Salah both out of contract at Anfield next summer. So it will be interesting, you know, the developments to come out of this. Yes, we'll certainly be following uh, that here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Well, Zambia had a challenging start to their campaign, losing 3-1 away to Ivory Coast and then surviving a scare at home to Comoros, uh, going 1-0 down early on, but coming back with a stoppage time goal to win 2-1. Now, Frankie Musonda made his Zambia debut and played in both of those games. He's 24 and plays as a defender for Wraith Rovers in the second-tier Scottish Championship. Now, Mosonda was born to a Scottish mother and a Zambian father, and he was given a Zambian passport ahead of these games, exciting fans in Zambia as he chose them over the Scotland national team. Well, Patrick Nyangulu is a sports reporter and commentator in Zambia. He spoke to Frankie Mosonda first on the experience of playing his first home game against Comoros. Yes, yeah, it was an amazing game. The fans really helped us a lot and obviously meeting them for the first time allowed me to see just how much Zambians love football. And I think even when we went a goal down, they, they were the ones who helped us get through it and to, to come back and stay strong. And, and in the end, we got the result we deserved. You looked very comfortable on the, uh, on the ball. This is full second debut. Uh, for Zambia, what made you so comfortable in front of uh, over 50,000 uh, home fans? I'm always pretty calm and, and comfortable on the ball. I think I've, I've been playing football for since I was a kid, and it's a sport I love. So, especially being at home, I should I, I shouldn't feel pressure. I should feel loved and, and encouraged, and that's what I felt. So when the fans were cheering me and the team on, it just made me feel even more confident and comfortable to to get on the ball and try and play. Just to, to get a bit personal, uh, your father wanted you to become a medical doctor, uh, like uh, he is, but you opted to take uh, our football. Uh, just uh, share the story. Well, obviously, he's always big on education, but f- football's always been my main passion and my main love. And him and my mother, especially my mom, has always supported me and doing following my dreams and being a footballer and, and lucky enough uh god willing i was i've been able to do that and and live my dream and obviously one of my dreams was to play for zambia and luckily now i'm, I'm part of the squad and i hope to stay for a long time obviously now that i'm part of the team i'll be able to come to zambia a lot more and see my family so hopefully now i get to visit three or four times a year whilst being with the national team and and i get to meet the rest of my family that i haven't seen in so long uh, what drives you, your, your football career, discipline-wise? Uh, how are you handling yourself with this pressure? For me, pressure is a privilege. So to have the responsibility of 19 million Zambians on my shoulder to perform and to help the team is it's a privilege. So I don't. It's not something that I fear. It's something that I, I thrive on and I enjoy because it's a it's an honour to to have that to be given that responsibility to represent Zambia and obviously that's what drives me. I'm I'm representing a whole nation when I play and when I put on that shirt. So it's a lot of responsibility, but I'd rather have it than not have it. So I'm very lucky and I just thank God for that. What do you do in your spare time? Uh, I'm doing a business management degree at the moment. Um, I'm in, I'm nearly finished, finished that. So a lot of my time when I'm not playing football is studying. So that's sort of mainly what I do or sometimes I'll go out to restaurants and things like that. But 
I'd watch a lot of football. Like if I'm if there's a game on, I watch it. It doesn't really matter what league, what country. If it's on the TV, I will watch it. So I spend a lot of time just watching football. Are you a believer? Yes, I am very much a believer, and uh, more so. I've got a lot closer to God since um, since joining the team. Obviously, Zambia being a Christian nation, a lot of the players um, are also very religious, and yeah, I found myself closer to God since joining the team. And you speak English, and uh, you're good now. We have got these uh, Zambian languages. Mm-hmm. How are you uh, interacting with the uh, local players? Uh, do you speak some local language? Are you yeah, learning? yeah, um, yeah. I've been learning um, bits of Bemba. So when I've um, one of my roommates, Shemi, he's been teaching me a lot of words in Bemba. So I've been starting to use them a bit um, around the teammates and stuff, and. That like if they say things that I don't understand, sometimes I ask them like, "What's this word? What's this word?" And like I'm slowly starting to to understand and get better with with Bemba. Uh, so when you're on the field of play with the rest of the Zambian players, uh, what language do you use? Because I saw you last evening mm. uh, giving instructions at the back. Well, the football language. Like we all we all play football, so they they understand what I'm saying. I speak English on the pitch. But they like we all we all play football and football's the the language of football is worldwide. We all we all know how to play and understand the game. So I speak I speak English to the boys on the pitch. Um, although in time I might I might start using a few words in Bemba, but I think they all seem to understand me fine. So so it's okay. Uh, finally, you are playing in the uh, second tier of uh, the Scottish League. But uh, Fashion Sakala playing in the Elite League mm-hmm. there. Uh, what with this huge platform now? That uh, you have uh, really uh, cemented a place in the Zambia national soccer team. Uh, what is your dream uh, in terms of club football? Well, I just I I just enjoy playing. I just want to wherever I play, wherever I go, whatever club I go to, I just want to keep playing. That's the main thing for me. Obviously, I want to play as high as I can. But obviously, with with my work rate and my enthusiasm for the game, I hope I can go as high as possible. But I, I just put that in God's hand and just focus on on what I've what I've got now and what opportunities I, I put my way. Um, obviously, playing for the national team is a huge honour and and a real privilege for me and my family. Well, that's Frankie Musonda talking to Patrick Nyangulu in Lusaka on his football and his faith as a follower of Jesus. Musonda made his Zambia debut this month. He plays as a defender for Wraith Rovers in the second tier Scottish Championship. And uh, quite a scare for Zambia against Comoros, and uh, they must be a bit nervous, Ida, having missed out on the last three editions of the Africa Cup of Nations. Indeed, Steve. And within that time, Comoros' star has really risen, you see, getting to the round of 16. For example, in their maiden Nations Cup was no small feat. And prior to this, uh, Chipolo Polo had lost three of their four outings since the turn of the year. And For sure, they did need a pick-me-up. And to come from behind, as we always say, is always a good show of character. Now, the victory was Zambia's first competitive win under Croatian trainer Aliosa Asanovic. And this, of course, was following that 3-1 loss to Ivory Coast.
Yes, we'll see if Zambia can qualify this time around.、Uh, the next matches will be in September, and a Brighton wing-back Tariq Lamptey has completed his nationality switch from England to Ghana, and is expected to be named in Coach Otto Addo's squad for the September Afcon qualifiers, where the Black Stars play two games against Angola.、Uh, this looks like good news for Ghana, Ida. Well. I'm sure if he can prove his worth to the team, then it will be good news. And Steve, it's important that players from abroad be taken through that, you know, because in all honesty, and as we've talked about before, look, there are many who take such a move as contingency because the player probably knows how difficult it would have been to get into, say, the English first team. So even for Ghana. A rigorous vetting is important. He has to fight for the position. Interestingly enough, that fight、uh, would be with another player who's recently switched sides and who we've talked about recently as well. I'm talking about Belgian-born Dennis Odoi. Now, granted, he is much older than 21-year-old Lamptey, 13 years older actually. But he definitely proved himself in the qualifiers, and in the process, became a fan favorite, as we saw some weeks ago. So Lamti has a lot to prove in this department. And just quickly going back to the switching allegiance, because Steve, this topic is pretty much unavoidable, you know, when discussing such. The Ghanaian FA has recently been on a roll. Aiming for foreign-born players to beef up the national squad, and look, it's partly something that's working. I mean, Odoi's impact, for example, though short, was undeniable in getting them to Qatar. But with that said, I do hope that this isn't to the detriment of equally or even more talented local players. I hope the FA is doing its part to develop talent locally. I mean, Ghana should not be backup, Steve, for players who can't make the first teams in Europe. Former Brighton striker Bobby Zamora even weighed into the conversation, saying that Lamptey pretty much switched allegiances too early, and instead maybe should have waited, you know, to see if an England call-up would be forthcoming, Steve. Remember, Zamora could have played for Trinidad and Tobago, but bided his time for England, and it worked out for him. But in such statements, we do see how Ghana, for example, is viewed. But going back to Lamptey, well, he was born in London. He has represented England from the under 18 through to the under 21. I mean, he even recently turned down an invite to England's under 21 team, of course, after his decision to represent Ghana. So now it's down to business. The 21-year-old has been in Ghana for vacation, amongst other things. I would imagine he even attended the Black Stars Afcon qualifier against Madagascar. He has proven himself for club in the English Premier League, no doubt. But now the work begins for country. There's the Afcon qualifiers in September. There's the World Cup in Qatar, which I can guess was a big, big incentive for him to play for Ghana. I mean, in that move alone, he's left behind former teammates in England who won't get to Qatar. But 
He has a real, real possibility of doing that at just 21. Yes, Tariq Lamptey, an exciting player. Thanks, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart, on whether there's too much football being played these days. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. To social media now, last week we asked, was Liverpool's season a success or a failure? Liverpool were chasing that historic quadruple, but ended up with two trophies, the FA Cup and the EFL Cup. They narrowly missed out on the English Premier League title and lost the Champions League final by a single goal. Uh, so we asked, what do you think? Was their season a success or a failure? And uh, Saintouche in Nigeria says it was a good success. Uh, two out of four trophies is 50%. Uh, Naf in Ghana says, I don't think Liverpool had a bad season. And they made the season more interesting than any other team, says Naf. But Abismak and Jaqua in Malawi says Liverpool's season has been a failure because they lost on two big stages, namely the English Premier League and the Champions League, says Biswek. In the Gambia, Belong Badgi says, I think Liverpool's season was a success. It's just that every big team have their major weaknesses. Uh, the ultimate aim was to grab many. Unfortunately, it wasn't so, says Belong. We heard from a couple of Manchester United fans who uh, thought Liverpool did extremely well by comparison. Uh, Rob Sab Santos says, yes, although they missed the major titles, they did much better than Manchester United, who didn't even compete this season. I'm very disappointed in Man United, says Rob Sab. And Prince Uzoma Vincent in Nigeria says, yeah, Liverpool uh, very successful compared with my Manchester United team with zero trophies. In the Gambia, Sideko Suno says, uh, yeah, Liverpool's season is successful, although they failed to win the Premier League and the Champions League. And Ogbonna Divine in Nigeria says Liverpool arguably have done well this season, especially compared with many seasons back for the Reds. Uh, but not winning the Champions League was a hitch to their success. All the same, you'll never walk alone, says Ogbonna. Uh, Ferdinand and Four in Cameroon says Liverpool have had one of their best seasons. And Mark Ten says winning one trophy in England is not easy, let alone getting two. Uh, but Ali Mode in Nigeria says it's a failure for Liverpool. No one remembers who came second. And Eje James in Nigeria says playing three finals without scoring a goal. I don't know what to call that. And Royal Gift in the UK says they're the first team not to score in three finals in a season. Uh, that's a failure, uh, referring there to the penalty shootout victories over Chelsea after goalless draws in the EFL Cup and also in the FA Cup. And uh, finally, Lele Ezra in Kenya says it was not successful, but a fantastic season. It's unfortunate they met the giants of the English Premier League and the giants of the UEFA Champions League, says Lele. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. So the majority of listeners there feeling that, yes, Liverpool's season was a success. We're next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. And we've been talking about the end of the season in England and in other European leagues, but the games are still continuing. The AFCON qualifiers, the UEFA Nations League and a friendly matches too. Is this not all too much football, Stuart? 
Well, actually, Steve, a recent report has highlighted the demands that modern football puts on players. And for us, really interesting, they chose Sadio Mane and Mo Salah as their examples, saying that when those two players played in the Champions League final, it was part of a season lasting 69 games over 11 months. Mane has played... 5,458 minutes and Salah more than a 100 hours over the year. And because Mane is involved not just with Liverpool, he's actually travelled 93,000 kilometres and Mo Salah 85,000 kilometres. Because, of course, as well as the busy Liverpool season chasing three cups and 38 Premier League games, they've been back and forward to Africa for the AFCON and World Cup qualifiers. You know, some African players, like Cameroon's Joel Matip, has been criticised for retiring from international football and letting the country down. But perhaps he's making a sensible decision to avoid burnout. And, you know, those two Africans are not the worst, because Real Madrid's Brazilians, Eder Militaum and... Vinny have each travelled 128,000 kilometres this season. That's three times round the world. And FISPRO, the Association of Players' Agents, is calling for changes in the structure of football to give players longer breaks. I mean, we've heard that Manchester United are back in training before the end of this month. But what FISPRO are saying that when players don't have five days... Between games, scientific studies show they're more susceptible to injuries. They say the message is clear. Players and coaches are telling us too many matches across too many overlapping competitions are pushing the physical limits of players. There's severe physical injury and mental strain. Back-to-back matches are depriving players of proper rest. And... It's simply playing too many games, congested schedules, disrupting sleep, travel schedules, limit recoveries, often going across time zones. And there is evidence it actually shortens players' career, going back to the decision that Joel Matip has made. High-performance coaches, apparently 80% of them say that players should not play more than 55 games in the season. And we were talking about Salah and Mane playing 69. And that 80% of coaches say they've observed mental health issues due to overload. Proper breaks between the seasons are essential. And we've talked about how already uh, we're having games, international games, and yet Manchester United are returning to training in about three weeks. I mean... What rest are the players going to get there? The international calendar stretches, competitions multiply, players spend more time on the road than ever, uh, crossing time zones. The industry seems to demand an endless cycle of matches and an ever-expanding calendar of competitions. And what they are asking for is a complete break of four weeks off-season for all players. But that's happening less and less at the moment.
Well, it's a great talking point, this one, and we're asking for your thoughts on social media. What do you think? Is there too much football these days? Uh, after the European leagues having ended, now we have the AFCON qualifiers, the UEFA Nations League and other friendly matches on, and some English Premier League clubs will begin training at the end of this month, meaning that many top players won't have had a rest at all. Of course, we love to watch the games as fans, but is there too much football these days? Uh, do you feel sorry for the players? Uh, Stuart talked about the health risks, or is it just part of the job for the players who are, after all, paid a lot of money? Uh, you can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Is there too much football these days? And uh, talking about those games, uh, Stuart, uh, lots of interest in the matches in Europe. Well, yes. Wales beat Ukraine 1-0 with a free kick from Gareth Bale deflected into the Ukrainian goal. What a strange year it has been for Gareth Bale. He's paid $750,000 a week by Real Madrid, but has only played... 290 minutes all season. That's effectively three and a bit games. But he has taken the tiny country of Wales to the World Cup finals for the first time in 64 years. You know, Steve, when Wales last played in the World Cup in 1958, the maximum wage for a footballer was $30 a week. Compare that to Bale's 750000 The record transfer fee received by an English club in 1958 was $100,000. Now it's over $100 hundred million. And in 1958, just 55 countries in the world tried to qualify for the World Cup. This year, 209. But I think Wales' success can be an encouragement to smaller African countries. Wales has a population of 3 million people. Most of their players do not play for top clubs. But Wales have found a way of playing that works for them. Wales will be in the 2022 World Cup, but football giant Italy will not. And there have been some other interesting games this week. Argentina beat Estonia, a small European country, 5-0. Messi scored the first goal. Messi scored the second goal. Oh, and Messi got the third goal. Yeah, it was 5-0 and Messi scored all five goals. And you can't keep Ronaldo out of the news because when Portugal beat Switzerland 4-0, Ronaldo scored twice. Then there was Norway beating Sweden 2-1 with all three goals, what you might call Manchester goals, because Manchester City's new striker, Erling Haaland, scored Norway's two goals, with Manchester United's Erlanga, remember his dad played for Cameroon, scoring for Sweden. And finally, Steve, Paul Pogba is leaving Manchester United as expected this summer. He has really been a disappointment over the past few years, playing in only half of United's games in the last three seasons. Potentially a world-class player, but he's just never made the impact at United that, say, Kevin De Bruyne made at City. His reward? Apparently Manchester United are paying him a leaving bonus of $5 million.
Well, that is uh, absolutely crazy. And talking of large sums of money in football, Kylian Mbappe, Vinicius Junior, and Erling Haaland are the most valuable players in the world, according to research group CIES Football Observatory. Mbappe tops the list with an estimated transfer value of two hundred and eighteen million dollars. Real Madrid's Brazilian winger Vinicius Junior is rated at one hundred and ninety-six million dollars, and Norway's Erling Haaland third. At 160 million.、Uh, now, a few months ago,、uh, many of us were saying that we think Mohamed Salah could be the best player in the world, but he doesn't feature in the top 100, as the value of the player depends on things like their age and their existing contract, Stuart. Well, Steve, to me, it's a very strange list. It seemed to have been prepared by an economist rather than a football man, because it seems to reflect the sale value of a player. It's interesting that. Erling Haaland, they、uh, value at 160 million dollars, which is more than twice what Manchester City paid for him because of、uh, what his contract said about his transfer fee. But I mean, if you look at the list, two of the top ten are Manchester City players: Phil Foden, 130 million dollars; Ruben Dias, 110 million dollars. Now. I know it's a big squad, but both of those were never certain of their place in the Manchester City team. Whereas Kevin De Bruyne, who was the star of the team, or Bernardo Silva, neither of those are anywhere near the top. I mean, De Bruyne apparently is only worth half what Ruben Dias is worth. So to me, that is mad. And similarly, the most valuable player at Liverpool is Luis Dias. Who has played for half a season? Apparently, he's worth a hundred and ten million dollars, whereas、uh, Salah and Mane don't even figure on the list. And what about Manchester United? Jadon Sancho, apparently a hundred and ten million dollars.、Uh, he has really struggled; hasn't made much impact at all at Manchester United. Scott McTominay, seventy-five million dollars. I doubt if he will be playing regularly next season. I think Manchester United will strengthen the midfield. Yes, a surprising figures, but transfer value does depend on a player's age and also how long they have left on their contract and、uh, other factors too. Well, thanks, Stuart.、Uh, that's it for this week from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.